In today's episode, I talk to my guest about how it's never too late in life, the impacts of conditioning and expectations, what happens when you ask better questions, and how leadership starts with you and your experiences. Welcome to Lit, a podcast dedicated to changemakers who want to lead, inspire, or transform the world for the better. My name is Ravi Tour. I'm a straight shooter with a no BS approach. This podcast is meant to be thought-provoking, to get your attention, and mostly, I want to encourage change and movement from folks just like you and me. I'll cover things like world issues, mindset, and theory. So stick around, tune in, and let your mind be the map to your revolution. Welcome to episode 27 of Lit. My name is Ravi Tour, and I'm your host. I am bringing another fantastic guest to the show today. Her name is Linda. Linda is a business and lifestyle strategist who specifically works with women. Linda has a background in the for-profit and non-for-profit sector and has used all of those skills to transition herself into an area where she can help support women who are in the corporate world, looking to lead corporate to create more time, impact, and income in their own lives. I'm going to have a deep conversation about change and different areas in her life that created transitioning points for her to be where she is today. But before we go into the story, I'm going to let Linda introduce herself to you guys. Linda, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. We're really glad to have you. Why don't you tell everybody who you are? what you do, and where you're from. Well, I am a business and lifestyle strategist, and I started that business just a couple of years ago. Um, I Right now, I'm in Seattle, Washington, and it actually, the sun came out today, so it was like wonderful. And, you know, it's been an interesting journey to this point. So I guess I'll just share with your audience a little bit about my background so they know who I am. I was an unwed mother in the 60s, which was a total no-no. Um, you just didn't do that. I ended up in an unwed mother's home. I was, I guess, in a sense, put aside into this home, and I gave my child up for adoption. What I didn't realize until just recently was that that was a catalyst for the majority of my adult life. Yeah. My motivation, my feelings of inadequacy, really kind of like constantly driving to do better, to do more, was a way of proving to myself that I wasn't a bad person. Hopefully that makes sense to your audience. Um, I did get married a couple years down the road and I had two daughters, raised those daughters. And then my oldest daughter, when she was in her early teens, became addicted to drugs and alcohol. And that transition has been huge because I went from a mother with this child and this vision of what life was going to be like to her to a grieving mother because that child wasn't there and her journey wasn't what I thought it would be. And it's a very difficult and different journey to go through because you want to put that bandage on and you can't put that bandage on that type of thing. And that I had to step back and go, you know what? It's her journey as hard as that was. And unfortunately, that journey has been tough for her. It's been, it's lasted 30 years, 30 plus years. She battles homelessness now, which is another issue because it's like a different society out there. It's hard for people that are homeless to transition back into mainstream society. So that's another thing that we're dealing with. And then I ended up, you know, working on my career, building my career, dealing with corporate America, being used as an example, having to quit instead of being fired, which led me to the best job of my life, which was running a bookstore. And I was there for five years and it was like Christmas every single day. (laughs) Totally like Christmas every single day. And then um, my WTF year came, and that was the year that my husband got sick. And from that point, it was four months of tests, and he had cancer, and then he had two kinds of cancer, and then he was gone. It was like a four-month time frame. It was just boom. So all the dreams that we had, all the things that we were planning to do in one just short time frame were gone. Yeah. And two weeks later, I found my oldest daughter. She tried to commit suicide. 
So that was another thing, another layer on top of it. And then there were several other things. So that nine months later, I ended up as a single parent to my two and a half year old granddaughter. And I was suffering from PTSD and um, severe depression. And I sat there for a couple of years because I didn't want to be hurt anymore. Who wants all that pain? You know, you just don't. And so even though depression is very difficult to go through, it really undermines who you are. It really makes you feel less than as you're going through it because the little voices in your head just, you know, let you know that, huh, see, I told you you couldn't deal with it, you know, that type of thing. And the universe being what it is, likes to play these tricks. It came down and basically woke me up one day when I realized I had no income. My disability was running out. I had a child. I had a house payment. I couldn't get any more. Um, I, in the States, it's social security disability. I couldn't get that. And so I had to do something. So I had to step out of my depressed state as best I could, contact my family, and start on a path, which has lasted for 20 years, of regaining who I am and actually learning who I am and realizing that despite the challenges, every single one of them were gifts in disguise that I didn't recognize at the time. And so fast forward several years, I went through you know, working for the bookstore again in, in a different location. I moved across country. And... Um, built my career there again. Then I transitioned into being a school administrator for a private school. Never done that. But it sounded like a better job when you're raising a child. So I said, why not? And I did it. Um, creating a uh, notary signing business or escrow signing business, my first own business type thing. And then I went back to retail, found it was like really awful and walked into a job at 61 the escrow business had never done it before, said, it's a job. I'm sure I can do it. I, I'm familiar with the paperwork, at least. And I did. And I made it successful. And then I got laid off at 63. And when I was 63, I said, okay, no big deal. I'll apply for all kinds of jobs. And I'll get one, I'm sure, because I've always done that. Only I didn't. And nobody contacted me. Talk about a blow to your ego. <laughs> and um, so I said, I've got to do something. So I created my first online business as a virtual assistant business consultancy based on you know, my experience and realized as I was doing it, I really didn't like the VA work. It wasn't something that really resonated with me, but it's what I had to do. And I did it well. And then one day, I was probably 64, I woke up and I was I don't know, just like this overwhelming, I don't know if you've ever had them, but just like this overwhelming feeling of, uh, in a sense, lost or despair. And I sat down on the couch and I started crying. So like, I don't know who I am. And I said, I've raised two families. I'd never been alone since I was 20. And I was 64. So I had put myself in a position of constantly caregiving, constantly being there for everybody else but myself. I mean, every job I ever had was always taking care of other people in most cases. So I said, you know, I can't do this. I've got to do something. Now, my granddaughter was old enough to be on her own. So I applied for a visa for Portugal. I was approved. I sold everything I owned, packed two suitcases, and I went to Portugal for five and a half months. And that, it was the best thing I ever did because, one, I didn't know the language. I didn't know anybody there, really, just people on Facebook. And so I had to depend on myself again. And it really started getting me in touch with who I was, you know, what I thought, not maybe what my mom's thoughts were or my dad's, because we carry that with us. And I realized that I really did not like the VA work at all. But everybody kept coming to me and asking for advice and support. So all of a sudden, it was like, oh, my God, that's what I've done my entire life. So why in the hell am I not coaching people? So I've been transitioning over to a coach and to what I do today. So that is an incredible, incredible story of massive transitions, changes um, beyond ebbs and, ebbs and flows, right? Just beyond that. But 
massive trenches and then awakenings. And I think there's a lot that people can relate to when hearing your story. Just to let everybody know, Linda is not a spring chicken. Clearly, as she's defined her story, (laughs) she's got a lot of experience behind her, but you made this final transition. And I use that term lightly, final transition, because I have a feeling you're not done given (laughs) everything you've already discussed. But you made that final decision or transition late in life. And you've really taken the bull by the horns where a lot of people would feel typically quite defeated and, you know, crawl under that rock or give up on life, right? Right. Um, Because you can't let life get you down. Yeah. You can't. And it's like, you know, it started way back. I mean, my dad was an alcoholic. And um, it actually started when I was pregnant. I mean, I learned then the way I was raised was that you just, you know, they call it mindset now. Yeah. Back then it was you just, something happens, you go get through it and you move on. You get through it and you move on. There wasn't a question. You just had to deal with life. It gave you. Yeah. And then you moved on. And so I learned, I was 18 years old. I learned that, okay. I've got to move on, whatever that on is, which, you know, I just have to make it and move myself forward and not sit. My mom, we were raised, you know, poor pitiful pearl. You know, it's okay to sit in your, what do you want to say, in your laurels for, you know, in the sadness for a while, but get up and move on. Yeah. Don't stay there. And that was kind of what had taken place in terms of I mean, everything that you've talked about, but the very first place that you and I kind of got a moment to really understand each other and take an opportunity to look at the amount of conditioning that's been in your life Mm -hmm. before you even realized it was that moment of when you were an unwed mother, right? And being moved Mm -hmm. into that home for you to complete the term, the pregnancy, and then move on, right? You were made to move on. And so when you and I had the opportunity to talk, That was something that unbeknownst to you at the time, you had just moved on. But later in life, and especially after your husband had died, a lot of things from that time had started to come up for you, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. And actually, you know, it cards on the table. I didn't talk about the pregnancy to anybody except for my husband and my two daughters knew about it. And my granddaughter did until I was 60 years old. I mean, I carried that shame. That's how deep that shame was embedded in you as a child growing up then. I think when you and I were talking, we were talking about the author of um, The Girl Code. Yeah. Because she's written a new book. And it's about girls are being raised to be perfect. Yeah. Well, getting pregnant when you're a teenager is not perfect. Especially in the time that you got pregnant. Like, that was not (laughs) fucking okay. (laughs) No, it was not okay. And, um, and so I, when I heard her on her Ted talk, I went, Oh my God, she's, she's right. You know? So for not just myself, but any woman out there, you don't, you can't be perfect, but we are raised to try to reach that, that height, like climb a ladder to the top, but there's no, there's no end. And you have to keep trying to get even further up. How can you do that? You can't. Because we have our messes. We have the decisions we made that are not the best decisions. You know, okay. So you, so when, you know, somebody was telling me, it's like, you made a bad decision. No, I made a decision. Yeah. And I really want to talk about that because you mentioned that earlier, just a few minutes ago when you were talking about making a decision. And then you, you kind of linked that decision to, to a bit of shame, like it could be perceived as something terrible, like you've done something terrible, or you can feel empowered enough to own what the fuck you've done and move on. Right. So talk about that piece because there's two minds to that or two schools of thoughts to that. And we had a deeper conversation about that decision-making process and then being okay with the decision you've made. There you go. So I was raised in an era where there were bad and good decisions. Yeah. I've realized through my many seasons of life that there is no bad decision, but there are are consequences to your decision. Yeah. That's it. So you have to be prepared to live with those consequences. Now, you can change or get past those consequences if you choose to do so. 
I got pregnant. I had a child. I had to give the child up for adoption. I carried that way too long, way too long, because I didn't understand all the things that I know now, because that help wasn't there. There wasn't the help and the support that I see out there now, right? Sure. Um, And I, you know, my message to women now is get outside the box that you've been put in. Yeah. Because people are deciding things for you. It's not necessarily what you're deciding. Does that make sense? 100%. Yeah. And I just, I don't, I get so passionate about it when I talk about it. Because it's like, there's this cubbyhole. And I think you and I talked about it. When I grew up, there were five things that you could do. A nurse, a secretary, a receptionist, a teacher, a housewife. The acceptable careers that you could choose from. If you stepped outside of that, those zones, then it was like, oh my God, you want to do what? And so um, you carry that stuff with you. And the more times I work in this arena and I talk to women, I find that so many of us carry things from our childhood into our adulthood because we're constantly trying to measure up to somebody else's expectations. So we base our decisions on what we think they want. It's not necessarily what we want. Yeah. 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 And I want to, I want to go a little bit deeper on that when we, I couldn't agree with Linda anymore in terms of typically if you haven't had the work to process through um, much of anything, let alone a little bit of your trauma and everybody, I did Linda and I had this very candid conversation at that at this point, you guys, there's nobody who's not affected by trauma, right? I think every single person on this planet has been affected by trauma in one way or another. So to say that you're, um, you know, you you don't have any baggage, that there is nothing affecting you, I think is bullshit. If you've got one person in your life, there's an expectation there already pre-built as well. So to be carrying expectations throughout your life, I mean, it's a commonality amongst people, right? We all take on people's perception of us, expectations of us, uh, demands of us, you name it, right? A woman takes on different expectations. A man takes on different. Sometimes we all collide and take on the same ones as siblings or families or whatever that looks like. But I want to go deeper into what does taking on expectations look like internally? What does that look like? Like, what do you hear? What do you see? What do you think when you're taking on someone else's expectations? Well, so you have to look at the fact that we used to call it scripting. So, um, First off, the years zero to seven are the most crucial years in anyone's life. That's when you take on other people's voices, other people's ideas. You know, it's like money doesn't grow on trees. That's what I took on when I was a child. I heard that all the time. My mom was extremely poor in the depression. Mm -hmm. So money doesn't grow on trees, you know. And that kind of thing. So we carry that kind of like negative money mindset, Mm -hmm. if you want to call it that, growing up. However, my dad had money. So money went through his hands. So you care, you know, you take in all these things as you're a child. You watch, you observe. Number one. Number two, women are caregivers. Women, if you're raised to be perfect, you want to play a role so that you can be perfect. Yeah. So you go into different situations and you go, oh, this is how they want me to act. So you put on a mask to fit that role that you're in. And then you go into another role and you go, oh, they want me to act that way. So you put on another mask. And then you go into this other role as you grow up and you're going into corporate America and you go, oh, they want me to act this way. All of a sudden you have these Mass that are really covering up who you are. Your identity, right? They yeah, cover absolutely. up your identity. Yes. And so we have to learn to peel those masks off because there's nothing fucking wrong with who you are. Absolutely. Not, not. at the beginning. No. At the beginning. You were created. I tell my clients this, and I'm, I just, you know, close your eyes for a second and realize that there's over 7 billion people in this world. And out of that 7 billion people, you are the only one that's like you. So there's no one else that talks like you. There's no one else that looks like you. They don't have the color eyes, the hair, anything, nothing. 
So if that isn't perfect, what is? So why is it that we, you know, have to constantly put on these masks to play these roles? And when you think about it, I did this, I spoke at a conference last month and I did this. I had a piece of paper, it had a mask on it. And I had the audience write down all the different masks and they were going, oh my God, I was this and I've been this and I've been this and I've been this. So every role that you play, you're putting a mask on to fit that role because it's expected out of you to act this way. Right, right. And if you ever try to go against that mask, that's hyper-conditioned Yet again, within your entire personal ecosystem, when you try to go against that mask, your entire life seems like it's going bonkers to some degree, right? Because you're trying to go against the grain right. of what you've always thought is acceptable. Or right. So you hear the little, I call them chitty chatty voices. So they crop up in your head. See, I told you you couldn't do that. Right. You know, this is what's expected out of you. And how can you, you're not doing it. Why not? You know, that little, you've got a rebel in you going, I don't really want to do this. I don't really want to do this. But you're hearing this voice saying, but that's expected out of you. So you try to do the expectation. Now, my mom's not here anymore. And I dearly love her. She was a, I mean, my strength I got from her. Yeah. But I, now I'll joke and I'll say, oh, Betty Joe's on my shoulder. I can hear her chatting to me saying, Linda, you know, kind of thing. And so it's learning to recognize whose voice is talking to you? I know that sounds like, you know, I'm crazy, but no, no so <laughs> you have to ask yourself, is this my thought? Is this really how I feel? Or is this something that was my parents thought? Or remember that teacher that was, you know, when I was in fourth grade, and is it that person's voice? Because we take it all in, we're computers. We are we all that stuff in. Yeah. And I, this is what I talked to you guys about week in and week out, right? Is that we are conditioned during those young developmental years. That's exactly when you're getting imprinted. I mean, think about when you started to walk, not that you can remember the entire functionality of you figuring out how to walk. Yes. Some of it was definitely intuitive, but a lot of it was you watching your adult counterparts moving, right? Doing things. That is the exact example Linda's talking about in terms of being programmed, conditioned from the onset with other people's voices. And then as you grow, you go into different communities, you've got new conditioning, right? And based on all of that conditioning, so it sounds like you're saying, and what I've always said is that you then make decisions. You make decisions and you make choices. You don't make bad decisions per se, but you make choices, you make decisions, and then there are consequences. Good or bad, there's always going to be a consequence. There's Mm -hmm. going to be for every act an effect, right? And so that's how a programmed life continues to manifest itself, right? Depending on if you're listening to those voices or not. And for you, unbeknownst to you too, for quite some time, because it's so, because we are that computer and it becomes Mm -hmm. so autopilot, you based a lot of your choices on these voices, Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And the thing that, that people have, so then you have that gut feeling, you know, right. so you've got, you've got the little voices. Some of them are your voices. It's that fear will come out. Some of it is voices from past programming that crop up, but then you've got the gut feeling. And so what happens when you wear masks and you're trying to please and work towards everybody else's expectation, you forget the one thing that you were given and that's your gut feeling. Your gut feeling is telling you, you don't want to go that way. You can feel it in your gut, but you listen to the ego or the things telling you, oh no, this is, you know what, you really should not give up that job for a business because the job is secure, even though your gut's saying, oh, but my God, I want to do this business so bad. I want to bring my, you know, I want to help people. I want to do it this way. And this is saying, oh no, 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 no. It's not safe. It's not secure. And try resisting against that voice, right? Right. That's when all those fears of, I don't want to do this, or Mm -hmm. I can't do this, and all those reinforcing conversations come up in your mind, right? It's that one thought that triggers the the downhill thoughts of you're inadequate, you're, uh, you're, I mean, to some degree, you're pathetic, you'll never make it, it's not going to work out for you, who are you, and all those nasty, nasty voices inside, right? It's just trying to protect you because everything that's programmed up there 
Mm-hmm. Nobody recognizes the ones you pay most attention to, and that's those expected voices, right? The expectations, the voices right. of the program. Right, right. So what I mean, I have my clients do is to take that expectation. So when I first started to want to be a coach, I'd hear this voice saying, oh, Linda, really? Who's going to listen to you? You know, or Linda, you know, blah, blah, blah. You, you know, you don't, you've never coached before. So I would write that statement down. And then underneath, I would write three reasons why it's a lie. Because those types of voices in your head are lies. They're not true. Like you said, they're a protection. It's your, you know, your ego, your, I call it your little child coming up because my God, you're stepping outside that nice little comfort box that you're in into this world out there that you don't know anything about. And that brings up the fear. And so one of the other things people can do is go, what are you really afraid of? Really try to define what that fear is. Is it because, oh, what if people don't, what if my family doesn't love me anymore if I do this? Okay, that can be a reasonable fear. Yeah. But then you've got to step back and look at it going, no, they're my family. They will always love me. They might not like my choice, but they will still love me. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. And it's really powerful to look at it or reframe it like that, right? It's one thing to assume that your family or somebody, and family is a great example because actually I'm not going to deviate from that one because it is a strong one for a lot of people, right? Family is a massive reason why people don't take action or don't change course, right? I can't tell you how many people even in, I mean, I can think of two or three people from last week who have rolled up in my inbox and oh, I've got this great idea, but I can't discuss it online because my family doesn't really, yes. they're not yeah. into it or they don't, won't approve. And I'm like, are, are you fucking kidding me? Like, you're never gonna get anywhere if you maintain that mentality, that mindset and those thought processes, right? Those people that are your family, they may not like what you do, like Linda said, but at the end of the day, are they living your life? Are they standing in your shoes and do they see what exactly. you and what happens if you actually go ahead and do what it is you think your family might not love you for? Mm-hmm. What do you think the outcome's going to be? Because I was one of those people who just assumed that my family's going to think I'm crazy, which FYI, they do think I'm crazy. Like that shit has not changed whatsoever. <laughs> uh, it's a good kind of crazy now, right? They do think I'm crazy. And that mm-hmm. when I took the leap, I thought that, you know, Uh, my mom's not really into it. I don't know how I'm going to be able to explain this. I don't know how I'm going to be able to do it. And I just kept one foot in front of the other, the other in front of the other. And that led me to here. And today they're super proud. I mean, my mom cannot explain for the life of her what the fuck I do, right? Like all I can say is I'm a professional. However, she respects what I'm doing. She respects the hustle. She respects what she sees. And that's what you're trying to create. Nobody Mm -hmm. needs to fucking love you for something. You need to earn people's respect. And the only way you earn respect is how Linda just put it. You have to be able to do things in line with your own vision, what you want, and your your, your own internal voice, right? Yeah. You have to listen to yourself. And it's like, and that goes for somebody's going after a career. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what you do in life. Whatever you do in life, it has to match your values not somebody else's values. Your values can be different than your parents. Your values can be different from your brothers and your sisters. Your values can be different from your friends. And that's okay because we are unique. And that's a point is that you're unique. You're not the same. Right. And I think what happens is in our society is we constantly are trying to be the same. We're constantly trying to, because we're human beings, we want to be loved and liked. You know, so we want, we figure that we have to be like everybody else to be that. No, we don't. Einstein wasn't like everybody else. Oh, he sure as fuck was not. He was like (laughs) absolutely so different. And look at him, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, it's like if you look at it, if you look at yourself and you look at all the things that you have, your gifts and talents, we each and every single one of us have been given a gift to share with this world. If you don't share it, there's two things. I love to look at this analogy that the whole world and life is one big, huge jigsaw puzzle. Hmm. Okay. So you spread out all those jigsaw puzzle pieces all over and you start putting them together 
And there's Linda standing off in the corner because she's afraid to show up or she's afraid to go after her dream because God only knows what people will say, right? So she stands back and the puzzle's being put together and everything. And then you look and there's Linda still standing there and there's this puzzle piece missing. So if you don't show up and you don't use your gifts and talents the way they're supposed to be used, you're that missing puzzle piece. And you know how friggin' frustrating it is when you're trying to put a jigsaw puzzle together and you can't find that damn piece. Linda, right? you're the missing piece. Literally, yes. you're the missing yeah. piece. Right, right. And the other part is there's all these people out there waiting for you to show up. Yes. There are people that need you. They need to hear your voice. They need to hear your story. And, you know, people used to tell me, oh, wow, Linda, you should share your story. And it's like, what? You know, really? Seriously? I'm so embarrassed by what? <laughs> but it makes a difference. Yeah. People need to hear your story no matter what it is. We all have stories to share. And there are people waiting on their couches for you to show up and tell them your story. Don't be that person that eliminates, you know, that makes those people wait their entire life. Exactly. Because then those people are waiting in line to not only hear your story, but to be empowered, right? Your story has truth, right? Right. Each of our stories. I mean, think about... Fuck, man. Think about everything. It comes out through movies. It Mm -hmm. comes out through books. It comes out through speeches. It comes out now through YouTube, Instagram, you name it. It's all a bunch of stories, right? Our living experiences that are, in fact, information for other people, right? Look at all the information you have. Now, uh, you know, could some of us have gone through life without the traumatic experiences? Yeah, a lot of us would probably say yes. But there's something more to your story than just the experience. There's lessons, there's truths, there's experience, there's growth, there's all of this abundant information that's there to not only serve your growth, but someone else's growth, right? Right. And the other, you know, the other thing it brought, it came to mind is that sometimes when you share your story, you're hitting that person that thinks they're alone. Yeah, but they're the only one that struggles with that, or they're the only one that's been through that. And I'm saying, hell no, you're not. No, but people, you know, keep everything inside because they're embarrassed about what they've been through, or you know, the decisions they made that really weren't the best decisions. Let me tell you, I've made tons of decisions that weren't the best decisions. Oh, right here I've, too. I've learned from it. You know, I was talking to someone earlier this week about a podcast I'm, I'm going to do later. And it's like, wow, I don't know what to share with that audience. And so I was telling her about how broke my husband and I were when we were, when my kids were babies. Yeah. I mean, we were broke. And I had forgotten that part of my life. Wow. How, my, you know, poverty and, and not knowing how, where the food was going to come from. And my husband worked on the railroad and we had no money. And so he would buy, we would charge groceries. And then he would buy like canned corn, cream corn, and, it, and he had a can opener. And that, that's what he would take. He would eat can, cold canned corn wow. on his trips. Wow. And I have really forgotten about that. And isn't you know, that crazy? The poverty kind of like even what you're talking about there is people don't share these stories or people don't think about these or they get pushed down deep, deep down because not only is that happening in your life, but there's expectations, right? Like I can absolutely empathize with poverty. I was homeless, right? I, I lived a life that your daughter did. Okay. Yeah. My own addiction issues. And then I hit homelessness and severe poverty and had to climb up. And just that what society thinks of someone who's going from zero to, okay, yeah. let's, let's hope right. you can get to your next housing appointment or whatever that looks right. like. And all these stigmas attached to being in poverty. Uh, yes. Being broke. I mean, being an unwed mother, being not a spring chicken trying to go back into the workforce. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. another thing, right? Is putting all those resumes out and everybody saying nothing back to you. And you had two choices. Well, three, but you had two really clear choices. Don't do anything. This is your life, Linda, or do something about it. Right. But you always, there's always a choice. There's always every, everything that you do. There's always a choice. And that's where, you know, if you say choice or decision, it doesn't matter. What it's your choice that's going to drive your life, period. period. So, 
we could have given up when we were so broke or we could have learned from that situation and moved on. I could have given up after my husband died. And let me tell you, that might've been easy. It probably probably hit my head a few times to do that. For sure. I had a child that I was raising. So I knew that I couldn't give up. I knew that I had to move forward. It took me a while to get there. And maybe, you know, that's okay. Sometimes we give so much of ourselves that we need to step back. You know, at 63, when I got laid off, yeah, you're right. I could have just sat there. You know, I took my social security early. I could have just stayed on social security. But I said, hell no, I'm not going to do that. Hell no. I'm going to create something. I'm going to keep challenging myself. I'm going to keep. Now, I know that that comes from being that unwed mother, that young girl that gave up something that I had to keep proving to myself, but that's okay because I don't want to sit on my butt. Yeah. I want to share and I want to heal the world. How else do you do it? Which is huge, right? Instead of focusing on all of your shit and how you could just basically drown in your sorrows, Mm -hmm. your focus was to do something about it even if it was pulling the resilience, the strength, the resilience from a time way before, from a period that wasn't so pleasant in your life, but you had those skills, right? Those right. skills of resilience never went away. And so you were able to utilize those in this time to be able to create impact, not only in your personal and your professional life, but on a, on a global scale. And that's what you're doing. Again, I think it was episode 21 when I was speaking with Matt where we talked about this idea of changing the world, creating Mm -hmm. impact. And it sounding like such a grandiose idea, but it's not so fucking grandiose. It's actually so tangibly real and very small. It takes such little effort, but the key word is it takes effort, right? On your part. Right, right. And I think that the thing that I, like last week, every single call I was on last week, everyone was talking about the need to have face-to-face conversations, you know, to have in-person events, to touch a human being and, you know, and stuff instead of this, you know, I'm sending a text message or I'm sending an email, but have an actual real life conversation and hear that there's other people out there that are actually going through the same thing or have been through the same thing. So, you know, that's tacked on to my own personal mission of being more involved in, you know, events and workshops and gathering people together instead of apart. We've, the internet has kind of given us a tool to separate ourselves from each other, but we're human beings. Human beings need to be, you know, in touch with each other. Absolutely. And I thrive off of that, right? That human connection when you're with someone. It's, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. Linda and I, we definitely connected. There was this weird, like karmic level connection that happened. I think it was really weird, but it was really great. And I was like, yo sister, I'm in love. But at the same time, I think there's something more when we're in person, right? I thrive off of that connection with another human being. I'm usually my best when I'm not in front of a screen and I'm with people. And I bet you that had we met in person and which we will, I believe that that energy exchange is even oh, God, amazing, right? Amazing. You feel that radiation, you feel the electricity and we are those unique beings. Mm-hmm. And so what you've done is you've kind of taken this mission of it's never too late. All you got to do is make a choice. Your past doesn't define you, right? You are not the sum of your choices. You are who you are based on what you want and how you see your life being, not based on expectations and shit that you think you should be living up to or whatever that looks like for people, right? Mm -hmm. But then you're also tapping in by, I, I would say by being forced into it, but you are forced to recognize your own unique talents and gifts that would then serve for a greater purpose. And it was right. something, it was something that you had been doing intuitively all these years anyways. It's mm-hmm. just you decided to recognize it. Yeah. At the tail end, right? <laughs> yeah. Of the, the tail end of that story and the beginning <laughs> of this story, right? Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah. so that's what the women you work with, that's what you work with them on is to get them to help 
help them see their own unique talents and gifts and where they can utilize all of that. Right. Because we all, we, you guys, we all got gifts. I mean, there's no, you know, I, I think I told you, I have one um, client that when I first started, when I first connected with her, she was a follower of mine and um, now she's a client, but she wanted to be a counselor, but everyone told her that she couldn't be a counselor. And so I said, well, why can't you be a counselor? Why not? Well, because, you know, everybody's telling me. So again, that voice, those white noises, all those things we take in. So I am so ecstatic to say that she's in her third level of counseling training. She um, also wanted to make a cake making business. And so she's got that going. And I just found out she's writing a book. And this was a person that a year and a half ago, never, ever would have thought she would do what she's doing today. It's, I mean, that's a perfect story about how quickly it can go. When you Mm -hmm. finally release those negative Nancy's and Ned's in your head, when you finally decide to release the conditioning and decide to take that first step towards personal development, it's just that first step. Everything else starts to fall into place. Now, is it rocky, the beginning? For sure. And are you going to be tested? Is your will strong enough to do this? For fucking sure. A hundred percent. But as you continue to maintain consistency, it becomes so fast. You're able to do so many things that you wouldn't be used to doing in the first place because you're not tired anymore. You're actually energized with life, the possibility, the opportunities, the passion, the love, all of that, right? It all depends on how you view things. Yeah. So you can, you know, there's no time in your life that you're ever going to go on this smooth path that's going to be like this. It's always going to be a roller coaster. Yeah. You know, like this, there are going to be peaks, there's going to be valleys, there's going to be those things, but it's how you look, look at it. So if you're looking at a situation and you're going, fuck, why is this happening again? doesn't matter where you're at in your life. You can ask yourself that question. You can go, okay, what do I need to learn from this? Exactly. You can ask you yourself know. that question again and get the same fucking answer. Yep. Or you can switch it and you can say, Literally, I mean, we both do this. I know because she just used this. So only seasoned people know the sentence. What can I learn from this in this moment? And so it takes humility. It takes courage. It takes bravery. It takes all of that from within to look at a situation in a different lens, right? Your perception, you're just shifting it a little bit. It's the same fucking scenario. You're just asking a different question. And when you ask different questions and you ask better questions, you get better fucking answers, right? right. That's absolutely, totally, totally on the same page. Yeah. So powerful. So, so powerful. I, I don't even want to stop here. I know that we had joked, actually, we had joked at the very beginning here, <laughs> right after some technical difficulties that I had of how we could go, she could talk forever on one area of her life. And I remember when I was interviewing you, we just kept going. Like we didn't even... Yep. Not wishes. <laughs> There's just so it's much a dynamic duo here, you know. <laughs> you heard it here, guys. Dynamic yep. duo. Yep. But no, it's a powerful journey you've had. And that's the other piece. It's a journey, right? At no point did you say like that this wasn't a journey. The entire time you've described this, you've described it as a journey. And it sounds like you've just started another chapter. Right. Of this journey, which I think is quite limitless at this point. I think you've got some pretty cool things going on for yourself, don't you? Yeah. You know, I, I used to tell my kids this when they'd go, you know, why does this have to end or whatever? And I said, look, life's like a book. So you've got a chapter. And at times you finish that chapter and then you start a new one. And that's really what life is like. Yeah. It's a journey. You go through one chapter that ends, you go through another chapter, that ends, you go through another chapter. Every single chapter, you're going to walk away with something that makes you a better human being, or it helps you on that path. And so people look at challenges and the adversities of life as being, you know, why in the hell does this always happen? I've asked myself that. Yeah. But it's like, if they hadn't happened, I wouldn't be talking to you. And it's like, it's preparing me, and I finally realized this, because trust me, after my husband died in that whole year, 
there was a point where I sat in my car. I think I told you this. I sat in my car and I was so angry and I had so much rage in me that I went out. I was still working at the time and I went out for lunch and I sat in my car and I started just screaming my head off. Thank God there was nobody around hitting my steering wheel because I was so angry. And then it was, then I realized that, you know what? Why not me? There's a reason for this. And I really truly believe that everything we go through is just preparing us for the next level in our life and then the next level in our life. So yeah, you're going to have those moments where you're like, you know what it's like to get hit in the stomach and you lose your your (laughs) breath, you know, and how, okay, so you're going to have those moments where you're on your knee, you can't even breathe because it's so painful. Yeah. But that breath is going to catch up with you. You're going to get through it. And you're going to open your eyes and go, okay, now I get it. Yeah. Now I get it. I couldn't agree more. I just couldn't agree more. I think that's the, that is the insight of this entire episode. You are being prepared. It seems shitty. It seems crazy. It seems like it doesn't make sense, but that's because you're asking or looking, you're asking the wrong questions and you're looking at it through the wrong lens. The moment you choose to look at it from this perspective and say, yeah, actually it is preparing me for the next step in life, the next thing for my life. When you take that ownership, you're empowered. And from there, you realize it's full of gold. It's full of fruit and it's meant for you. It's a gift. It sounds shitty, but it's totally a gift. And the more we embrace that as individuals, the greater chance we have, and this is what I keep saying, the greater chance you have to use that moment where you embrace your own challenges mm-hmm. as a learning opportunity for those in your community, right? People see this, people hear this, people observe you, and you break expectations when you start to change the way you live, the change, the way you speak to yourself, the way you think, and what the questions you ask yourself, right? right? Not why is this happening again? Why is this happening to me? Why can't I do this? What can I learn from this? What is it trying to teach me? What am I supposed to gain from this? And just try. Try it that way for even a fucking day and you'll notice it's a big... Oh yeah, definitely. Yep, definitely. Totally. Amazing. Amazing. This has been a great, great episode full of the most practical information that really makes sense to everybody, Linda. I think this is not just for lit listeners. I think this makes sense to everybody because we all live it. These are the stories we hear in our heads day mm-hmm. in and day out, right? right? These are the expectations we're level or trying to level up against, right? So whether it's your boss, your parent, your sibling, your, you know, your, your pastor, it doesn't matter. It's all sorts of expectations we choose to take on. The moment you choose to release them is the moment you create, you start to create that freedom, right? And that choice, and then that freedom is, is being learning to be transparent within yourself. So, I mean, that's where freedom comes from. It comes from owning yourself to being transparent, to understanding that, you know, those hidden dreams that you have in the back of your head are okay to have and to pull them back out. And the messes that you have, the insecurities you have, the lack of self-confidence, the eek, what will people think? That's okay. We all go through it. Mm-hmm. It's okay to feel that way and stop hiding from it. Stop hiding from, you know, the things that you're uncomfortable about yourself and embrace those things. Embrace them because when you do, that opens up that freedom. Then you can stand in your power. Yeah. And that's why we're here. Accept, embrace, and become empowered. It, it literally happens just like that. And it literally happens that quickly. Like, try it. For shits and giggles, try it. Try this, it. Okay. <laughs> shits and giggles. Okay, so I, I want to give you an opportunity to let our listeners know exactly where they can find you because I think there's a lot of insight you've given, but there's more that you have available to share, right? You do conferences, you speak, you get together. Human contact. To Human be- contact. Yeah. Worries, right? My website is um, just www.lindamclay.com. I'm on Facebook um, at Linda M. Clay Biz. I have a Facebook group called Map It Life and Business. And I'm on all social media channels just under my name. And yeah, conferences, workshops, 
I'll do it all. I'll do I got it. it. Yeah. <laughs> well, not quite all. <laughs> <laughs> um, most things. No, um, just because I want to get the message out. And I think it's needed in this day and age. I think it is totally needed for women, especially to really, it's time for women to rise. It's time to get past. I think I had this conversation with my, my daughter, my granddaughter. And I was saying, okay, so when is it that women became this, you know, backseat drivers kind of thing? And, you know, and she said, oh, that was way back in the Roman era, mom. And she's telling me all this stuff. And I'm going, well, it's time we get past the, we're not in the Roman era anymore. We're in 2019. And women need to understand they're just as powerful and maybe even more powerful because they think differently than men do. Ladies, that's why I say the future is female. Buckle up. It's time to take control, right? It's time to take a leader's seat. It's time to feel empowered. And it starts with you. It starts by accepting, embracing, and then becoming empowered, right? Linda, it was such a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for sharing so vulnerably and honestly and, and really giving us a lot to chew on in terms of what it looks like to have experience and to redefine who you are on your own terms. Oh, you're welcome. I totally enjoyed it. Hopefully uh, we didn't talk too long and you'll invite me back. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. It's been a pleasure, you guys. Thanks so much for listening again. And thank you all for your ratings and reviews. Most of all, I appreciate your continued support in listening to the message that I'm trying to get out there. Hopefully this viral message of it's an ideology. It's a mindset, right? It's, it's a perception. It's the way you see things and that change can be imminent. It can happen in this very moment if you choose to do so. So go and get yours. Thank you for listening to this episode of Lit. I am so grateful to have you as an audience member. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to hit subscribe and leave your review. For more resources, tips, and tools, head over to www.ravitour.co. I'll be back with another episode next week, but until then, stay lit.